Okay, so at this point in the service, um, we're going to read the Bible from uh, a section called the New Testament. Now, just in case you're not sure, the Bible's in two sections. There's the New Testament, which covers um, the life of Jesus during and after his time. And then there is the Old Testament, which covers all the time before Jesus was born. Um, so the New Testament is just a collection of 27 different books. Well, they're actually not books. They are letters written um, to the early church by people who knew Jesus. People who knew Jesus. They lived with him. They lived their life with him. They followed him. And uh, they knew him really, really well. And it's through the Bible now that we can also get to know Jesus really, really well. And if you've ever wondered what the voice of God sounds like, it's in here. All you need to do is pick up this book. Jesus is in this book. And when we learn Jesus, we learn truth. And when we learn truth, um, our lives, our thoughts, our actions begin to change. So God, I pray this morning that as we read your word, that it would get our attention, that it would change us, shake us up, Lord. We want to leave differently from how we came in. We want to be more like Christ. Thank you for your word. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. So we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians. You can get that ready. It's the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. And Ephesians is one of those letters written by a man called Paul to the church in Ephesus. And uh, we've been working our way through this letter around the theme of who am I? And this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write the title in your book. The title is, Who Am I? I Am New. So that's a good message to hear on a Sunday morning, isn't it? I am new. Just tell the person next to you, you are new. Brilliant. Now, it's a bit cold outside today, isn't it? It's a bit cold. Um, In fact, I think in Braemar, it's been reaching temperatures of minus 14, minus 16, something like that. That's pretty cold. Um, I don't know if you know, but I used to live in Australia. For three years, I lived in Australia. And in the height of summer, it got to about 40 degrees. 40 degrees. That is hot. Um, Quite a bit different from the height of winter in Scotland. And when we were heading back from living in Australia, coming back to living in Scotland, we came back in the Australian summer. So we literally got on a plane and it was 40 degrees. And when we arrived in Scotland, it was minus 10. That is a shift of 50 degrees. That is pretty uh, extreme temperatures. And who knows that when you live in Australia, you, you live completely differently. You live a whole different kind of life. You're a different person. You wear different things. You buy different things. You eat different things. So for instance, in Australia, you know, you would wear your um, t-shirts and your shorts and your thongs. That's okay. It's flip-flops, right? Everyone know that in Australia, that's flip-flops. I'm not weird. Um, So when you come back to Scotland, you ditch your thongs for wellies. You cannot wear flip-flops in Scotland in minus 10 degrees. That wouldn't be right. There's all sorts of things we have to change. We have to make radical changes when we move into a new space. It's very, very different. And uh, what we're wearing in Australia in the height of summer is no longer suitable for wearing in the height of winter in Scotland. And uh, this is what I want to talk about this morning, that when we are saved, when we are Christian, become Christians, 
where we live, how we live, what we wear, how we speak, what we eat, maybe not what we eat, I'm not sure about that one, it all radically changes. And actually the Bible talks about us getting a whole new set of clothes because we're a whole new different kind of people. At the start of chapter 4 in Ephesians, Paul says, he urges us, he says, live lives worthy of the call of God on your life. And what he's saying is, when you became a Christian, you stepped into a way of life that should look radically different from everyone else around you. This is a new you, a new kind of life, one that is worthy of having the name Christ in it, Christian Christ in. And what we're about to read is a very clear picture of the big contrast between what life was like before Christ and what life should look like after Christ, or rather in Christ, what it should look like. And uh, also how we should be behaving and what responsibility we have in the process. Everyone say process. Because we know it's not instant, it's a process of becoming more like Jesus. So this is this morning I want to talk to you about being new. This is about our new identity in Christ. It's about a new way of living and it's about a new way of thinking. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4. Hopefully going to come up on the screen. Brilliant. I think you have a different shape of screen than we do. <laughs> Sorry, can't help noticing that. Um, Okay, so let's read from verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, the Gentiles is just Paul's word for those people who don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And he's talking to a bunch of people who were Gentiles but have become Christians. And he um, was a Gentile, became a Christian. And actually, it's pretty much us as well. It's our story. At some point in our life, we didn't know God, and now we do. So this is what he says. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, so that's our thinking, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, and you know that whenever Paul says therefore, it's there for a reason. He's saying, and so because of that, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, I mean, it's not the most uplifting read you'll ever read on a Sunday morning when it comes to this description of the Gentiles. Paul is saying a few things. Firstly, he says their thinking is futile. Futile means pointless, empty. It goes nowhere. Do you know, maybe you know people, or maybe it was once you, where you've intellectualized and rationalized your way out of believing in God. They can't think straight anymore to the point where it says their thinking is in the dark. Now, if you're in a room with the lights off and it's pitch black, what can you see? Great. Audience participation. I love it. Nothing. It's only when light comes in that you can see things as they truly are. And Jesus is that light. Jesus brings truth and he opens our eyes to see reality as it truly is. Paul says they're also separated from God. They've wandered far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts. And in the Bible, minds and hearts are very, very closely linked. A hard heart says, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I don't need to say sorry for the things I've done in my life. That's a hard heart. It also says they've lost all sensitivity. They've lost all sensitivity and they do whatever they want. Now, a picture of that is, I don't know if you've ever played the guitar so much that you get little hard bits on the end of your fingers or maybe you're a sports person and you've been running and you've got hard bits on the, on the soles of your feet. Does that happen? I don't know. I don't run. Um, but... That hard bit of skin that over time has become so hard, it now feels nothing when you touch it. It's lost all sensitivity. In other words, sin that used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. You've gotten used to it, and so you just live with it. It's a bit of a bleak picture, isn't it? Paul's saying there's darkness of the mind, there's hardness of heart, and there's deadness of soul. But, everyone say but, Paul says, that's not you. Hooray! (laughs) Great. That's not the way you've learned to live in Christ. He says it used to be you and it used to be me, but that's not the case anymore. You heard about Jesus, you were taught in him, you believed in him, you chose to follow him, and you know that the truth is in him. So instead of a hard heart, you have a tender heart. Instead of a dark mind, your mind is filled with light. Instead of being dead on the inside, your soul is bursting with life. Do you know what? The moment you said yes to becoming a Christian, when you invited Jesus to be the leader of your life, in that moment, you instantly became a new person. Instantly. 
You didn't just become better at following rules. You weren't just given a makeover. You became a completely brand new person. Jesus gave you a new identity. Your old life was buried, and all the shame and guilt and sin of the past was buried with it. It was dealt with. It no longer separated you from God. And so when God looked at you, he saw purity and holiness and righteousness, not because of you, but because when he looked at you, he saw Jesus. Jesus, the blameless, holy, perfect one who died and took the blame for our sin so that we could have relationship with God. That's who he sees. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. And a new life has gone, begun. Everyone say, I am new. Therefore, Paul says, because you are new, live in that newness. Live out of that newness, knowing that you're new. He says, put off your old self and put on the new self, which is actually your true self. The one that God created you to be. And he says, let's live lives worthy of this new life we've been given. He says, don't just carry on the way you were before you knew Jesus. Everything connected with that old way of life has to go. He says, get rid of it. Put off the old, put on the new. Listen, when a prisoner's sentence has been served and he's set free, what does he do? He puts off the old rags, the old uniform that identified him as guilty and he picks up a whole new set of clean clothes that identifies him as a free man. But what does he have to do? He has to continue to live out his life as the free man he now is. He can't keep going back and picking up the old uniform that declares him to be guilty. He needs to reach out and pick up the new and the clean. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to us. We are new people. We've been given a brand new set of clothes and we are to walk in the freedom that we've been given. When we wake up each morning and we say, well, what am I going to wear today? We don't reach for the old. We reach for the new and the clean we put on the identity that Jesus has given us. And what that means then is that we walk out and we live in a new way. So number two, we're called to a new way. There's a whole bunch of behaviors that Paul says should mark our lives. This is our identifying feature is, is how we live. And it's about not being the me we used to be. And they involve a stopping, which is the putting off, and a starting, which is the putting on. And he says, stop lying and start telling the truth. I don't know about you, but I want to be known as a person who always speaks the truth. Not hiding anything, not covering anything up, not exaggerating anything. Just the truth. He says, stop letting anger control you. Don't let it be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Start being kind and compassionate. He says, stop taking from others and start giving generously. Stop using ugly words that tear people down and start using words that help. Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. I don't know about you, I, I would love for my home, my house 
to be the place that people know they can come and get filled up with encouraging words, be filled up on the inside, get enlarged because they've been at my house. That's a hallmark of our, of our um, faith. He says, stop bitterness in its tracks and start being tender-hearted, forgiving people just as God has given, forgiven you. And to finish it all off, he says, follow God's example. Watch what God does and then do it. And do you know what God mostly does? He mostly loves us. Copy the way Jesus lived his life, full of love and always for others. That's the radical, new, different way we're meant to live as Christians. This is the kind of life that's worthy of God's call. And do you notice that they're all, all these behaviors, they're all to do with relationships with other people. They're all to do with relationships. Um which is why Paul throws in this statement right in the middle of it all, and he says, for we are all members of one body. Paul's going after unity here. It's, it's the big theme of, of lots of his writing and, and this letter, because he knows that lying destroys trust and creates conflict among us. He knows that anger tears down relationships. He knows that bitterness sucks the joy out of relationships. So he reminds us and says, guys, we're in this together. Connected to one another through Jesus, so love one another well. Be known for truth. Be known for encouraging. We're new people, called to live in a brand new way. And that involves, thirdly, thinking in a brand new way. Did you know that experts estimate that our mind thinks around 60,000 thoughts per day? And if you live in a house with four or five people, that's a lot of thoughts flying around your house. And uh, some, of, some people speak all those thoughts out, some not so much. That's an average of two and a half thousand thoughts per hour. And you break it down even further. So this morning I was like, I'm going to test this out. I'm just going to try and, you know, take note of all the thoughts I have this morning, just for one minute while I brush my teeth. Maybe two. If there's any dentists here, I do brush my teeth for two. Um, so... This is me, okay? Some of my thoughts. Oh, I need to hurry up. I don't have much time. I wonder if the boys are up yet. Is there enough milk for breakfast? Did I post that letter on Friday? I really need to clean this mirror. In fact, maybe I should redecorate this whole room. God, you're here, and I'm with you. Have I I fed the dog? Has anyone fed the dog? Maybe I need to order more food. I'm hungry. What will I have for breakfast? I'm getting nervous about preaching at Stonehaven this morning. Taryn, she's an amazing preacher. Oh, I'll never be as good as her. God, why am I even doing this? Am I meant? Am I really meant to be a pastor? Why is this so hard? I'll never be like her. What am I going to put on today? <laughs> Just a little snippet of how our minds can just go on and on and on and race out of control. And sometimes they race in a direction that we don't want them to head in. You know, the Bible says that the direction of our thoughts really, really matters. The Bible has a lot to say on our thinking, on our minds, on our thought life. And so Paul, in between telling us to put off the old and put on the new, he gives us this key. He says, We are to be made new in the attitude of our minds. 
In other words, our thinking has to be made new. And it's not a one-off thing um, here. It's a daily, moment-by-moment renewal of our thought life. He says in another book called Romans, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed and progressively changed by the Holy Spirit through a total renewing of how you think. This will empower you to discern the will of God. Our minds have to be made new. The process, everyone say process, of becoming more like Jesus starts in our minds and in our thoughts. So if we take, for instance, the Gentiles at the start of this passage and the futility of their thinking, what started in the mind, their th- what started as a thought for them, this deliberate rejection of God's truth, it started as a thought, it grew into an attitude that grew into a behavior that grew into a lifestyle. It started as a thought, it grew into an attitude that grew into a behavior that grew into a lifestyle. What was in their mind eventually came out in their life. And so if that's true of a negative thing, then it's got to be true in a positive way. What starts as a thought, Jesus loves me, turns into an attitude, I am loved, that grows into a behavior, I will love others, that grows into a lifestyle, I will give my life to love others and to love God. My whole life is about loving people. And this is the process, everyone say process, of becoming more like Jesus. The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. Now, there's a a teacher, a Bible teacher in America who writes a lot about this stuff. And this is one thing that he said that has just stuck with me and in the past two weeks has already begun to shape how I'm thinking. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What are your strongest thoughts? And do you like the direction that they're taking you in? Do you know what? If you think a thought enough, it becomes your default thought. It becomes easier and easier and easier to think that thought. If you imagine a forest... And you imagine a pathway through the forest, and it's quite small and thin at the start. But the more you walk down that path, the wider it becomes, the clearer it becomes, the easier it becomes to continually walk down that path. It just gets easier and easier and easier to travel down. Scientists call it neural pathways. Our brain literally redesigns itself around a thought, and so your thoughts really, really matter. It's so important to take charge of your thought life because what comes into your mind comes out in your life. As new people, as a new person in Christ, we need to make new pathways that lead to new behaviors, pathways that lead to freedom and a life that glorifies God. And do you know what? The less we travel the old pathway, the harder it is to walk down. It becomes overgrown and much less appealing. And we start to travel in God's truth. Now, these path, this path is not as well-worn at first, and it's difficult. But over time, in the process, everyone say process, of becoming more like Jesus, who knows, we don't drift into holiness, we don't drift into that life The process of becoming more like Jesus as we keep listening to God, as we take one more step in the right direction, all of a sudden we realize that the God thought has become our default thought. 
We're heading in a completely new direction. And what's in our mind is coming out in our lives, and it's good. This is the life worthy of the call of God. But we're not done, because we're never done. There's always room for more patience. There's always room for more kindness, more joy. But changing our thinking will literally change the trajectory. That's a hard word to say trajectory of our life. So just to finish off, what else does the Bible say about our thinking, just in case you don't believe me? Um, It says here in Philippians 4 verse 8, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix them. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise because they're the things that are going to take me in the right direction. That is the new pathway. That's the direction I want to go in. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts and your minds on things above. Think about God. Think about Jesus. Think about his kingdom. Do you know from what I read in the Bible, our thinking is our responsibility. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. This is our part in the process. Everyone say process. (laughs) This is our part in the process of becoming more like Christ. And this is what it involves. It involves thinking deeply about ourselves, about our thought life, not surface thinking. It involves taking a step back and self-evaluating and stilling ourselves and asking, why am I thinking this thought? What's the origin of this thought? Where does it come from? Is it from God? Is it the truth? Holy Spirit, show me what is true. That's our part. God calls us to be responsible for our thoughts, but he also gives us the ability to do so. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Now, divine power, we all know, is way more powerful than willpower, right? Divine power, it's his divine power. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So you know we've been given weapons, right? The weapons are worship, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and prayer. These are the divine weapons that have been given to us. And it says um, they're not they're the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Absolutely smash them to pieces. Strongholds are the things that keep us held, bound, lies that we believe, different things like that. And what does it say here? The word of God, worship, the Holy Spirit, prayer. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. The thoughts that keep us captive. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets its up sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We have everything we need to live a godly life. We have everything we need to make those good decisions. We have everything we need to um, renew our mind. 
In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. God created us to think like Jesus. And if we want to think like Jesus, we have to know Jesus. We have to know him. And how do we get to know him? Through his word. We know Jesus um, through, through this book. It's one of our weapons. And for every lie, for every negative, for every wrong pathway, for every lie that's going through our head, there is truth in here that demolishes it. There's a truth in here that demolishes the stronghold of every lie you've ever believed. We have everything we need to make good decisions. And when we think like Christ, our capacity to love grows. Our capacity to forgive grows. Our our, um, compassion grows. We begin to live other-centered lives. And that life is the life that Paul says is worthy of God's call. It would be so easy for us to see um, this list as a to-do list, wouldn't it? I must be better. I must behave better. I must keep the rules. But rather than do more, try harder, the direction of our thoughts needs to be Jesus. What he's done, what he's doing, what he's like, what his kingdom is like. We need to fix our thoughts, fix our gaze on him. Because do you know what? The more you're caught up with Jesus, the more you're caught up with him, the more your life starts to reflect him. Because you actually care more about him and his glory. We don't need to be better. We need to be new. We need to live out of that newness that we've already been given. It's not a striving and a straining. It's not about following a bunch of rules. It's about following a leader who takes us down a path that leads to freedom. It leads to love and a path where we can confidently say, I am new. I'm on this new path. My life's going in a new direction. I'm thinking godly thoughts. I'm putting the old thoughts away. And all of a sudden, what comes into my mind is coming out in my life and it's all good. Amen? Amen. Brilliant. Let's stand together.